Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I'm going to begin today by telling you something you already know. It is about to get very busy when it comes to UGA recruiting, and a lot of the intrigue we've had as it relates to the 2023 recruiting class is going to play out before our eyes here over the course of the next seven days and obviously the big domino to fall on that's going to happen tomorrow as i'm recording this on a friday when four-star linebacker troy bowles gets ready to make his announcement at this point in time it almost feels like we've kind of covered the bowls thing in every way that we can just based on what we've said as of late which is that glenn schumann who really cleans house in recruiting and obviously takes a lot of those linebackers and really turns them into outstanding players on the field has already done big work for the class of 2023 bringing in cj allen who we really like as a terrific player recently adding raylan wilson a big flip away from michigan one of the guys that i think is going to stand to be one of the most exciting players in this Georgia 2023 class, regardless of who else gets added after that. And now you get a chance to add Troy Bowles potentially in the mix there tomorrow there as well. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. And certainly Georgia fans are hoping for good news when it comes to Bowles. But for the most part, the stakes on all this are all really well established. Georgia fans have had this guy circled for quite some time. And, you know, it's an example of the strength of Georgia. And admittedly, Listen, not everything related to this 2023 class has sort of felt like business as usual. There are, you know, some guys who maybe Georgia fans want who maybe are going to slip away, or there's some, you know, position groups you'd like to see Georgia dominating with. And maybe right now, for whatever reason, at least at the moment, as of press time, as the fancy folks like to say, uh, that's not necessarily the case. But at linebacker, everything's all fine, seemingly. Everything's all kind of, you know, the way it's supposed to be because it certainly seems like. There are some very big prospects the linebacker spot who, you know, are going to have lots of national attention, are going to have lots of offers, lots of interest, and maybe there's been some mutual interest on their part in Georgia there as well. But for the most part, you know, no disrespect to Tony Rojas, who just committed to Penn State, or Whit Weeks, who just committed to LSU. For the most part, Georgia has had laser focus locked in on Allen, who it's already gotten, uh, Wilson, who it's already gotten, and now hoping for Troy Bowles on Saturday. You can watch the film, and Jeff Sintel has shared this at dognation.com plenty of times, and you can see what makes him a really good player. But I also am going to kind of lean in here for a moment on, I think, the biggest cliche of them all sometimes in football, but cliches oftentimes become cliche for a reason. You know, the idea that Troy Bowles being the son of Todd Bowles, the Bucks coach, you know, that idea of, hey, you want that son of a coach. You know, that's one of those things that we just sort of naturally assume that any player who's son of a coach is somehow going to be a really smart player on the field. Now, we also sometimes see in life that, uh, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, in certain fields, hey, the apple sometimes falls far from the tree. But in the case of Troy Bowles, I don't believe that's the case. Certainly, he seems to play with the same kind of mentality you would expect a son of a coach to play. And that's one of the things that I think makes him really exciting. This is a guy that Georgia fans clearly want, and tomorrow the wait will be over in finding out if UGA gets him. I saw we're on three uh, sports recently had a quote from Raylan, uh, excuse me, <laughs> as Raylan Wilson was last week, this is Troy Bowles right now, about kind of what he likes about Georgia and compared to his other finalists. He says, 
Coach Schumann and the whole coaching staff are cool people, and Coach Smart and everyone there always keeps it real with me. That's Troy Bowles talking about what uh, Glenn Schumann, Kirby Smart, and the rest of this coaching staff brings to the table for him and his decision. This would obviously be a gigantic win if George is able to get it. Later on in today's show, I'm going to bounce this off Connor Riley. Connor pinching for Jeff Sintel. Jeff normally joins us here on a Friday. Jeff's actually starting his vacation, going to be gone for a few days. So I'm going to ask Connor how he feels that Georgia fans should feel going into this decision for Troy Bowles there on Saturday. This is one of the biggest dominoes to fall for that class of 2023 and the decision date for Bowles now just a day away. We're looking forward to that. And what's cool about Troy Bowles here is it actually starts quite a week for UGA because shortly after Bowles does what he does, all of a sudden there on the heels of that coming up on Tuesday, you've got Jamal Jarrett. Very impressive defensive tackle, a guy who's been, I think, pitched by Georgia to step in and become the next Jordan Davis. And listen, I know that's a mouthful and that's the kind of praise I'm probably not willing to so quickly give to anybody. But in terms of the personality, maybe the 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 love for the game, the the approach to the recruiting the approach to making himself the best version of himself at least from a personality standpoint Jamal Jarrett probably is already a little bit like Jordan Davis some of the intangible stuff some of the feel that he gives off in that respect you know Jarrett who's going to decide shortly after Bowles goes tomorrow um you know, at least from that standpoint, from a personality standpoint, he probably is already a little bit like Jordan Davis. And obviously, we'll find out wherever he makes his college decision. If he comes to Georgia, obviously making his choice on Tuesday, um, you know, you'll find out eventually what kind of player he becomes. And does he do anything to rival all the on-field accomplishments of Jordan Davis? What we'll the wait for a while on that? But it's easy to understand why the persona that Jarrett gives off is already kind of drawing some Jordan Davis comparisons. And as you know, what was really cool when when Jarrett took his official visit to Georgia going back a little earlier this summer, it just so happens, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that Jordan Davis was sort of back on the Georgia campus when Jamal Jarrett was there. And as a way of kind of pitching not just Jarrett, but a lot of guys who were on campus that weekend about come here and be the next version of the great Georgia defense that's existed in the past. The presence of Davis while Jamal was taking his official visit, apparently that played a very big role in 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 what made Jamal Jarrett's official visit to UGA so enjoyable. In fact, Jamal Jarrett visited with our Jeff Sintel recently to talk about that and a whole lot more. This is what Jamal Jarrett said about the time that he spent with Jordan Davis. I think this is really cool. Yeah, so pretty much they were just aiming for like, let's not tell you how great you could be. Just look at how great you could be. And just having the players come in, that was pretty much them telling us how great we could be. Jordan Davis had a one-on-one with me and my family. It was like, you know what to do if you want to be great. Look at the history. Look at the people that played before me. Look at the people that played with me. He was like, pretty much, come be a dog. So it was, it was awesome, man. Would it be possible to like Jordan Davis any more than you already do? I mean, for a guy that gave Georgia so much in the field, to think that he's delivering that kind of articulate message to a future recruit or a current recruit future player maybe of hey follow my step, footsteps come here and be a dog come here and live into the legacy that we've created here at the university of georgia that's just incredible stuff for jordan davis and i'm guessing if you're a uga fan that kind of attempt to, to pass the baton i'm guessing that probably really works on you really works on me certainly it's like it's a nice thing to think about and it sort of speaks into whether it be jamal jarrett maybe on tuesday or troy bowles maybe on saturday go along with the other great linebackers that georgia's already brought in the great defensive backs that it brought in for the class of 2022 those terrific edge rushers uh that georgia also brought in for the previous cycle there as well 
that the real belief that I have is as historic as the Georgia defense was in 2021, you've heard me say this before, as historic as that defense was, the best defense in Georgia's program history up to that point, I truly believe it won't be the best defense that Georgia ever has. That eventually, over the course of the long haul, the legacy established by guys like Jordan Davis will attract players to the program because they now have a proof of concept for what they themselves are able to do. And you hear Jamal Jarrett apparently pretty swayed by that. We'll find out on Tuesday exactly how much he swayed. For a guy like Troy Bowles, who's been like, you know, you know, attempted to be sort of wooed by Ohio State and all the big programs that are out there somehow George's able to maintain that connection through all of that the same way that it did with Reverend Wilson flipping him away from Michigan or you know CJ Allen there as well that eventually Georgia is going to build a defense in some future year maybe it's not 2022 but maybe it's a couple of years after that whenever else that eventually George is going to build a defense eventually it's actually even better than 2021 defense was because people want to come be a part of the next version of that 2021 defense and you see some example of some of that momentum maybe starting to build maybe not always as fast as some Georgia fans wanted to but uh building nonetheless now all of that leads to this because while you're interested in what Bowles does tomorrow and you're curious about Jamal Jarrett early next week, you start fast-forwarding a week from now, really eight days from now to next Saturday, that's when five-star safety Janelle Aguero gets ready to make his decision. And I don't know that I think Aguero is a better player than Bowles or, you know, it's hard to predict even if uh, how you might compare to a Jamal Jarrett or really anybody when it comes to individual evaluations. They're always a little tricky to make. But there is something very interesting about Aguero's decision that I don't know that necessarily every other recruiting story this year is going to have the same level of juice around it. First of all, it's very much an of the moment type decision in that it seems like Janelle Aguero is like a lot uh, of guys in this cycle where he's been sort of thought to you know, sort of long be connected to a school and Aguero's case, uh, case, I think most of the uh, you know, pretty plugged in folks on the internet would tell you, hey, George's had a really good relationship for quite some time. And yet here we are kind of in the late stage of that recruitment. It seems like Miami's coming on pretty strong. There's been some social media stuff from Aguero about Miami as of late. And you wonder, you know, the same way that Miami has kind of gotten in pretty quickly and pretty aggressively with some prospects near their end of their decision time. Is potentially the same thing going down with Aguero here. It takes you back to a story that Jeff Sintel had with him going back to last month, where at that particular time, there was one school for Aguero that was seemingly standing out among the rest. He didn't reveal what school that it was, but did lay out pretty clearly that he had in his mind a clear leader at the time, even if he wasn't willing to express who that was. I think we have this. Let me show you this from uh, Jeff Sintel, Janelle Aguero at DogNation.com. He says, I don't know how to say it, but I'm already getting that way of kind of leaning toward it a little bit with that one school, meaning there's one school for me that's out in front. He says, there is definitely one school that's a couple of little inches or a step ahead here. That's what Janelle Aguero said when he uh, uh, visited George in June, when he spoke to Jeff Sintel shortly after that. And if you're a Georgia fan, I think at the time when Aguero said that, you probably felt comfortable that Georgia was that school. And maybe even after all these weeks, Maybe you still feel that it's comfortable with that and Aguero who's going to make his decision next Saturday. But when you see some of the Miami chatter that's out there, when you watch how quickly Miami made up grounds with other recruits over the course of the cycle, presumably using NIL to do so, I think it does add a level of mystery to the Aguero decision that maybe not all of these uh, decisions here over the course of this month are necessarily going to have. And probably the stakes for Aguero next Saturday get even higher on the basis of the fact that 
listen, for some of us, you know, I don't make any bones about this. Some of y'all know that I'm a Georgia fan, but specifically one of the things that like, my bias probably shows up more than anything is when it comes to guys in state. I just like really good players who come to the state of Georgia, admittedly have a little bit of a blind spot when it comes to that. And a guy like Caleb Downs, one of those guys, another safety you'd love to have in this class. And admittedly, you've probably never quite gotten, if you're a UGA fan who really wants Downs, you've probably never quite gotten the very favorable, positive news reports on Downs that you'd like to get. So given the fact that I, mean, I don't know that, that that Georgia's ever really been called the clear leader for downs or even, you know, in any way, shape or form, you know, that kind of label attached to its recruitment of downs that makes the Aguero thing even more important as you head towards two Saturdays from now. But you'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Then the best way to feel good about what eventually goes down with Aguero is to develop some momentum and build some of that heading towards that. That's what Troy Bowles gives you a chance to do tomorrow. A great player in his own right and a great conclusion to what has been a very strong stretch of linebacker recruiting for the dogs. Jamal Jarrett tucked in between that uh, on Tuesday, leading into what Aguero may do the following Saturday. While the Georgia fans were told to buckle up and get ready for a wild July, it is here and it is as advertised. Big players making big decisions and stay close to Dog Nation for a reaction to all of it. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger, and glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., starting at 945 on our first and 15, dognation.com and the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref. are available as a podcast wherever you find them, uh, including the world-famous dognation.com. Uh, all kinds of great places to have the show. Really glad to have you with us as a part of it. And a big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible there as well. And Kroger's got a great thing going on. How about Kroger Chef Jr.? That's on tap for you here. I love telling you about Kroger Chef Jr. because I think – First of all, it's just kids like to cook. If you can, if you can show them how to cook and show them how to prepare, uh, easy for me to say, prepare meals, they really enjoy that. And if you want them to eat healthier, sometimes getting them involved in preparing the food is a great way to do that. That's what Kroger Chef Junior gives you a chance to do. It's this weekend, also another opportunity to do that coming up on July 30th there as well at select Kroger locations. Now, here's what this is. It's a 30-minute uh, class where your child's going to receive an apron, a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card, and box, a spatula. Who doesn't need a good spatula in their lives? It's all just $7, and the um, the dish being made this month is a veggie dip. So if you want to learn how to do that, if your kid wants to learn how to do that, $7 per child. You can check out KrogerChefJr.com for a lot more on that. Of course, the word junior in this case is spelled out J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com. I'll also tell you this, I'm very happy to have Kroger as well, a part of our Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate as we get ready for Georgia, Oregon coming up on September 3rd. And a lot of you know this, we are at capacity for our tickets, but there is a waiting list. And this is one of those things where if you'll get on the waiting list now, and I haven't gotten an update on this in a couple of days, but I believe this is still true that if you'll get on the waiting list for this now, I think you have a pretty good chance of having some space cleared for you. Now, eventually, it's just going to be a full-on cutoff. We can't add any more. But for now, we are taking names to our waiting list. If you go to dognation.com, 
you can find out more about that. And um, it's going to be a great event. Uh, your ticket includes a T-shirt, which is going to be one of the best we've ever had. Your drink tickets for that day. Uh, obviously, the food uh, there, too. And it could not be closer to the stadium right there in the Home Depot backyard next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. An amazing tailgate experience from 12 to 3 p.m. there that day. Dognation.com for more info. And as I mentioned, big thanks to Kroger, along with the Finnish Long Drink, R.S. Andrews, 7-6 Apparel, and Meriwether and Tharp for being such a big part of all of that. All right, we're going to keep the recruiting talk going here in a moment. We'll welcome in Connor Riley today, who's pinch hitting for Jeff Centel. Jeff on vacation, so we'll do a kind of a version of on the road, assisted by AAA with Connor Riley, who's not on the road. He's actually sitting here uh, producing in studio with us here today, but that'll be good because Connor's obviously watching the Troy Bulls decision very closely and everything else that's about to unfold with UGA recruiting. So we'll talk about a lot of that with Connor here coming up in a moment. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse and I saw a pro football focus, and it seems like we mentioned PFF a lot this time of year, although not everybody loves uh, what they bring to the table. But I saw where they had their list of top 25 tight ends in college football for the upcoming season. And did you know that Georgia has three of the top 14? (laughs) They got the number one tight end in Brock Bowers. According to Pro Football Focus, they have the number three tight end in Eric Gilbert. They have the number 14 tight end in Darnell Washington. Now, here's what's amazing. Some of you obviously follow the sport pretty closely. Some tight ends are a lot more uh you know sort of famous than others i mean everybody right now other than the mackey award voters but everybody everybody right now knows how good brock bowers is but like michael mayer from another dame that's a really good player like that's a really good player and uh eric gilbert's ranked one spot behind him like imagine this on a team that already has brock bowers georgia also has a tight end of a similar level to like a michael michael mayer at uh, notre dame that's a pretty big statement uh darnell washington who according to pro football focus is uh georgia's third best tight end he's still ahead of jaleel billingsley on this list who's uh now at texas after having been alabama before that um you know jaheem bell from south carolina he's fifth and that's a big target in that south carolina offense that may be uh one of the top targets for spencer rattler this season but eric gilbert's ranked ahead of him like that is i mean by now everybody knows this it's been well documented but that is a staggering level of talent in one position group uh, and obviously it speaks to what Todd Hartley's been able to do there. We understand that. But when you see it kind of listed out in terms of here, the very best in the country and three of the 14 uh, best are all at Georgia. What an amazing thing. Now, like on the flip side of this, it also presents the challenge of, well, how do you keep everybody happy? How do you get everybody involved? Uh, some of you know, Kirby Smart the other day was on the uh, that show called Crane and Company, uh, makes a, uh, a visit there, and he talked about the challenge of, hey, you know, getting a lot of tight ends involved, only one football to go around, only a room at times for a couple of guys in the field. How do you do all of that? And Kirby was fairly candid in discussing the challenge of keeping a lot of guys involved at a very crowded position group. This was Kirby. Well, the first key is keeping them all healthy, right? Yeah. I mean, Darnell, this time last year with foot injury, um, Arik's had some injuries in his past. Uh, Brock had a sh- shoulder surgery. So, you know, first thing you got to do to have depth, you got to have depth so that you can compete and have guys really fight for that playing time. But those three guys are really good. I think we think Oscar Delps um, yeah, yeah, yeah. had a great spring practice. Uh, Ryan Goaty's coming off some injuries. And then Brett Scyther had his, breath, his best spring, a young man that we signed a couple years ago. So we really like that room. What I really like is the competition within that room. Um, we're trying to find roles on special teams so they can go out and help there as well and steal some more snaps because we lost three linebackers that got drafted at inside backer. It's rare to find 
three inside backers that got drafted in the third round or better, they're going, we're losing a lot of special team snaps out of those guys. So those tight ends got to cover it up. But we'll get the ball to those guys and spread it around because I think Coach Munkin and Coach Hartley's staff, they do a great job of getting the ball to the tight ends. I'm saying this half kiddingly, most actually 100% kiddingly, but poor Todd Hartley's breaking his back, bringing all these five-star recruits, and Kirby Smart goes in an interview and says, hey, we may not be able to get you some touches in offense, but we can get you some special team snaps. <laughs> you want to cover some kicks? We'll let you do that. I'm like, uh, if that doesn't make the job of a recruiter that much more difficult, of, hey, we, you know, listen, I don't know how many touches we can get you in offense, but you can get you some special team snaps. I say that kiddingly, but uh, that was one of the things that kind of popped in my mind on that. But, you know, more seriously, though, I mean, when you see a list like this laid out, and even if you don't like pro football focus, even if that's not your cup of tea, you already know that, that Georgia's really talented here, and Kirby is correct to bring up an Oscar Delp there in terms of, uh, you know, in the category of maybe how good a Darnell Washington could be, how good an Eric Gilbert can be, how good a Brock Bowers already is, and I think that's a worthy addition to that. And I, I guess, like, the, the sort of summation of all this for me is earlier this week we talked about breakout stars from Georgia. That's one of those like really big, bold print phrases you see a lot this time of year. Breakout stars. And once again, I guess it was pro football focus that had their sort of label of breakouts at UGA. And I said, listen, you know, Arian Smith, who was mentioned, Javon Dumas Johnson, I think those are sort of very optimistic appraisals. And, and, and maybe that is indeed the case of how that plays out, but maybe a little optimistic in my mind of exactly how good they're going to be in terms of like sort of like true star status for this season for different reasons you can check out last you know the show earlier this week as an example of that but if you're saying to me well ba who is a potential true breakout who is the kind of guy that really is potentially by the end of the season a household name eric gilbert would be on my list he really would be and i've told you all summer long our buddy terrence edwards obviously knows eric very well we've kind of joked about this like i have really tried to be very slow in terms of like building too much hype for gilbert because i want to have respect for the journey that he's been on a journey that took him away from football and has now brought him back to the sport and that's a big big you know that's a big journey that he's been taking right that, that, that there's there's a lot to that but when you see him list as the third best tight end even if it's you know mostly sort of a hopeful appraisal by you know people who use calculators for a living um when you see him on a list like this and who he's ahead of and who he's connected to and you know how close he even is in terms of how brock bowers is perceived to be on your list of guys who could truly be breakout and truly be sensational well-known household type players by the uh, time the season's done I think Eric Gilbert definitely belongs on that list. I, I I do. And whether you like pro football focus or not, they are certainly a reminder of just how true that might be. That is Around the Doghouse. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We're happy to have all of you with us. And as we said before, a lot of the energy here right now around recruiting decisions, big ones on tap for Saturday with Troy Bowles and the next few days after that and the possibility there's some surprises in store for the month of July there too. Let's cover all of that right now. We call it On the Road, assisted by AAA. We normally do it with Jeff Sintel. Happy to have Connor Riley in his place here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. All right, so busy time for UGA recruiting and a great person to have speak to us today obviously uh, jeff on vacation we said but connor's following all this stuff very very closely and that includes tomorrow morning tomorrow during the day when uh linebacker troy bowles gets ready to make his decision 
Connor, how do you handicap this race here at the moment? You know, it seems like Georgia's been a pretty good spot here. Maybe some of that for me is just based on the fact that I assume all linebackers want to play in a a defense that's uh, helped, you know, populate the NFL so well in recent years. But um, how do you look at the current race for bowls here, maybe where Georgia stands and all of that? Yeah, I think Georgia feels very confident about what it can potentially do on Saturday. A decision I think now expected sometime in the afternoon from four-star linebacker Troy Bowles, a guy that a lot of people really like. Uh, I, I believe he's the number two ranked overall linebacker in the 247 composite rankings and, and a guy that, you know, from 99% of the schools out there would be a crown jewel, a big recruiting win. And for Georgia, it's just going to be business as usual in, in the event that they land them. And I do think that he commits to Georgia tomorrow. And, uh, you know, this is a question we'll eventually have to ask Kirby Smart come signing day. But Troy Bull's father is Todd Bull's, a longtime NFL mm-hmm. coach and currently the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'd be interested on what his response would be in, if asked the question, you have the son of an NFL head coach, a guy who knows what it takes to get to yeah. the NFL level, the, the level of commitment and development required to get there. What do you think it says about Bowles that he ended up picking this Georgia program and came to Georgia to better, obviously, his chances of reaching the NFL? And I think that, more so than adding another four-star linebacker, yeah. perhaps says a lot about this commitment and the overall sort of health of this Georgia program more so than landing a yet another top 100 overall prospect that happens to play linebacker. And what's kind of ironic here is, is that earlier this off season, I had actually kind of focused on some things that Todd Bowles had said about the linebacker position related to a completely different topic, not anything to do with the fact that Troy Bowles might go to Georgia, but Todd Bowles was talking about how they want to use Devin white and that defense there and how they want to kind of turn him loose to sort of be, I forget exactly what the statement was, but you know, along the lines of just like letting him be the guy kind of playing in space there and kind of using that as an example of how valuable a great inside linebacker can be and you know to think that that you know Bowles as an NFL coach a guy who has some thoughtful ideas about how linebackers should be used coincidentally has himself a son a great linebacker who might come to Georgia it is kind of a cool I don't know it's, the, the tie-ins to all this are just really cool and I, I agree with you almost the same way that like um had you gotten the arch manning commitment it gave you kind of an interesting boost from the manning family kind of a famous last name on a much smaller level here the the bowls connection could be really good for uga i mean it's quite a validation i think you want to eat at a restaurant that chefs eat at and i think that um you might want to be a part of a program that football coaches send their sons to play yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think with Bowles, again, you know, you just saw in this last NFL draft cycle three Georgia linebackers go in the top 100 overall picks. I think that makes it very easy to sell yourself to top linebacker prospects out there because not only are you going to get the development to where you're going to be placed in a spot where you can contribute and play right away at the NFL level, but you're also – you're not going to be asked to do everything and you're allowed to develop at your own pace. You know, Kobe Dean was a guy that came in and starred right away. Star might be too big of a role, but he played a role for Georgia right yeah. away. Whereas a guy like Channing Tindall never started a game in his time at Georgia. And they both ended up developing into really impactful players, guys who made 
key plays in that national championship game and are now drafted into the NFL level. And so I know every every recruit, Troy Bowles, no different, envisions himself making an early impact. But I, I think with what Georgia has shown, especially at that linebacker position, hey, everyone develops differently. And if your timeline takes a little bit longer for you to develop into a real player for this team, that's A-OK because at the end of the day, Georgia has shown that it can still get players to that final endpoint, even if it does happen to take a few of them a little bit longer. I have to admit here, if it is business as usual tomorrow when Georgia does win the Troy Bowles decision, I certainly hope that it does. Here's the other thing I hope, Connor. I hope Georgia fans haven't gotten to the point where it's passe to beat Ohio State for a linebacker to go out there and beat major programs like that for a player of this caliber. You know, I think I think it's hard to celebrate all these wins, and Georgia's obviously collected so many of them in recent years. It's sort of hard to get, like, super excited about all of them. I, I do get that. But, like, flipping Raylan Wilson from Michigan's a really big deal. Michigan probably needs him a lot more than Georgia does, and yet Georgia still got him. You know, if, if Georgia goes out there and wins with bowls tomorrow in comparison to the sort of elite level of competition that's chasing, you know, chasing him, you know, we ought to celebrate that as a, as a big win. And I don't really know what – would count as adequate celebration to me i'm not really quite so sure like you know you know we have to have a ticker tape parade. i don't really know what the adequate level of celebration is but being you know genuinely excited about it i think that's the right response if you are a georgia fan here right and i'll say i'll say this as well you know there are some rumblings out there that justice haynes may be nearing a a, a decision in terms of his commitment and you know georgia's obviously recruited the running back position very well it shouldn't come as a surprise that given he is the son of a one of the more important players in georgia Mm -hmm. history or at least someone who made one of the more important plays in georgia's history that he ends up at georgia the fact that he's a top 50 player and and the same applies for bowls here especially given that linebacker position and how well georgia has developed it like that's that's still a huge win and i do think you know we've seen this you know because i was sort of curious about like aj harris for example when he committed you know georgia's had so much recruiting success there was still a lot of chest thumping and a lot of happiness, yeah. at least that I saw on social media, that Georgia's able to go in there and land a five-star cornerback, especially at the expense of Florida. And so I do think that recruiting, in, it's in part you know a buy-in, and because Kirby Smart speaks so eloquently on the importance of recruiting, that because there's this buy-in, the fans also understand how important recruiting is. And so maybe you know in a Mark Richt era, if they were recruiting at this level, it maybe wouldn't be seen with the same sort of chest thumping and celebratory nature that I think we're going to see this weekend but because Kirby Smart so eloquently speaks on the importance recruiting has made it point blank clear it's the most important thing he does as a coach I think because that exists you're going to see celebrations for beating out Ohio State and Oklahoma two teams that are are playoff contenders and you're probably going to see in a playoff sooner rather than later Uh, beating out of Florida who's important to keep down uh, and Alabama as well out there so winning those types of recruiting battles I I think still carries the day because of the way Kirby Smart so passionately speaks about the importance of recruiting you mentioned Justice Haynes Uh, what sense do you get and this may just be a uh, sort of a educated guess on both of our parts but do you think we'll eventually get a sort of date for an announcement or do you think he just sort of drops an announcement out of the uh you know the clear blue sky uh and i guess beyond haynes what are some other potential surprises that we could see erupt here in addition to sort of the established dates we already know about yeah so uh i do think that there's not going to be an announced date i think haynes is just going to drop a 
likely a commitment video, and, and we will know then, and it would not surprise me if it happens before the end of July. I, I think the other one that I'm watching, interestingly, because it seems there's, there's, there's now so much information out there, and I don't, I don't believe this is his fault. It's just he, he's a high-priority target, and you look at the schools that he's recruiting, but what sort of happens and unfurls with Caleb Downs? Because yeah. obviously I think everyone knows at this point there is sort of the expectation that he might end up at Alabama yeah. based on some crystal balls that came in over the weekend. And, you know, uh, he had some tweets, obviously, about it pushing back against the notion that he had made a decision. And uh, in thinking in here, and you talk about it earlier on the show, it weirdly, it reminds me a little bit of the Eureka Gilbert recruitment with him coming out of high school. It really in does. In the sense that, you know, there was obviously some level of interest there. He kept showing up to Georgia, you know, camps. He showed up at the famous, uh, I believe, Texas A&M game where it rained about the whole first quarter, and he was covering a poncho, and he still had a big smile on his face. But it never seemed like Georgia was able to gain any real traction there during his recruitment, and he was always sort of looking to go elsewhere. And in following downs, who I've said before, I think you have to get at least one of Aguero or Caleb Downs in this class, just given some of the struggles, or not struggles, but some of the concerns that exist at the safety position, especially in this season. And I mean, I had said before, I I thought Caleb Downs was a more important get than Arch Manning would have been for Georgia. And so what he ends up doing, and maybe even more the timeline, because I think maybe the longer this goes for Georgia, the longer he goes undecided, the longer he isn't committed to somewhere. I think that might actually end up helping out Georgia in that sense because it seems like right now there's a lot of smoke around Alabama. But if he were that sure on going to Alabama, Down seems like the kind of kid that would go ahead and get that commitment out of the That's way. That's a good point. And the fact that he hasn't might show that he is still deliberating and thinking about it. And I think that might bode well for Georgia when that decision is eventually made. I think it's a really good point what you're bringing up there. Maybe at least some hope for Georgia fans. And I'll give some context here in that. I'm not that interested in anyone's individual evaluation of any individual player. I just I kind of find that to be a little bit of a coin flip from time to time about who's going to be great and who's going to be not. But I will tell you this. When it comes to Caleb Downs, I've talked to a lot of people across the state about him. I've never heard anyone hesitate to say they think he's a great player. I've never heard anyone even equivocate in that whatsoever. You know, you compared him in terms of importance to an Arch Manning, and I think the reason why that, you know, would have been true, still is true, even if he goes somewhere else, is that the level of quick, quickly offered praise that he gets. I mean, people just really like his game. They really like what he brings to the table. He is as clean a sheet as you get in terms of the evaluation uh, of what he is as a player. And I think that's one of the reasons why those conversations around him carry so much weight is because of how unanimous the evaluations of him seem to be. Yeah, I've talked with Jeff Sintel about him, and he says Caleb Downs is the best high school safety he's ever seen. And, you know, Jeff saw Richard LeCount. He saw Lewis Seen. He's seen those guys and those guys be successful all-SEC-level players. And for Downs to get that kind of treatment, again, you know, comes from – he's the son of a college coach. His older brother is one of the best receivers in the country yep. at North Carolina. A big playmaker there for a, a power, you know, a high-ranking a high team in 7A at Mill Creek High School. Uh, so you see that there. And at the same point in time, uh, we can also transition here to a little bit of talking about Janelle Aguero, who's going to announce – on the 23rd, there are a lot of people out there that like his tape a lot. Spent the, I, I know he's currently in Massachusetts. That's yep. where he is from. Spent the last two years at IMG Academy. And so that, to me, answers some of the questions that you might have about the competition level and does a lot of the things that Caleb Downs does as well. And so I, I think for Georgia, landing either one of those, for me, is the most important thing that they can do in this recruiting class because it, it, it shores up a need. It shows, hey, we had a position of need. 
In this case, it's safety. And we went up against every school. We went up against Ohio State, Alabama, Miami, Florida, big-time programs that are able to recruit at a high level. And we were at least able to get one of the clear top two guys. And so if you're able to get one of Aguero and Downs, that's a win in and of itself. I, I, the idea that you're going to get both of them might be a little bit of a pipe dream, but if you get one of them, that is exactly what you needed to do at the safety position in this class and so help shore up a, a position that has been a position of need for Georgia. I want to ask you more about Aguero in a moment, but you also touched on something about Downs that I think is really interesting, and I've noticed, I don't really have a good answer for this. There are some things that I noticed that don't really have maybe an explanation for but you compared him to what uh, Eric Gilbert was when he was coming out of Marietta High School, one of those guys that just seemed really intent on leaving the state. Now, that didn't last for him. He's now back playing at UGA, where I believe he should have been the entire time. But nonetheless, that was the uh, journey he had to go on there. But it just sort of seems like we see this from time to time. And oftentimes, it's sort of an Atlanta area, you know, suburban play, whether it be Marietta or, you know, Mill Creek or, you know, somewhere like that, where it's just a guy who doesn't seem to have like the way in which, you know, Nycar talks about Georgia way down there in like Moultrie. Like that's a guy that loves UGA. Like these Atlanta area guys, they just don't always talk that way about UGA. And I don't know if there's a, a comp with this with other, you know, big-time programs, other big-time states. Georgia, Georgia obviously dominates recruiting, and you know it's done pretty well in its own state there as well. But, boy, it seems like there's one every year, it seems like anyway, from that sort of Atlanta area who just wants to chart his own path and just kind of wants to go somewhere else. And I'm not quite so sure what you do about that, but it seems like we see that story replicate itself a little bit. Yeah, and I think maybe I'm a little qualified to speak on this because I am from the metro Atlanta yeah. area, and my parents moved from New Jersey uh, to Atlanta in January of 1994, and I was born in March of 1994. And, you know, Atlanta is a very transient city. It There's is. a lot of transplants, and I just think, you know, a lot of people not come, being from the state, whereas you look at other areas of the state, you know, my car's probably family has been in, in Moultrie or in South Georgia for quite some time. Uh, Trayvon Walker, you know, there there is a stronger tie to the state of Georgia as a whole, and thus Georgia being the flagship university of the program, I think makes those recruitments a little bit easier. Whereas, you know, I didn't grow up a Georgia fan. I didn't really start rooting for Georgia until I got in, in, in November of, uh, of 2011. And so I, I think... You know, that's one of the maybe misconceptions about Georgia compared to some of the other states out there that, oh, why can't Georgia own the state of Georgia in a way, say Ohio State does Ohio or Louisiana does uh, or LSU does with Louisiana. And that's just not the makeup of the state. And I think this Caleb Downs recruitment is a perfect example of that. You know, his dad's a college coach, moved around a little bit. And so because of that, because of them sort of not being lifers in this state you know multiple generations of people from this state there's less of a pull of staying at home and knowing that hey you might have to move and, and go somewhere else and at the same point in time you know he's moved around before and maybe he likes the idea of trying something new of putting himself in a more uncomfortable environment to better prepare him for what is coming down the line some people really enjoy the comfort of home other people in life sometimes search out things that make them uncomfortable to push themselves farther. And if that's what Downs wants to do, I cannot fault him for making that decision. All right. I have a Jonelle Aguero-themed conspiracy theory. Okay. Um, I want to give this to you coming up in a moment. First, let me remind folks, we are on the road assisted by AAA. Connor Riley pinching for Jeff Sintel here today. And obviously, AAA, great to have as you're traveling around this summer. I know I have my – I actually, unfortunately, had to use my AAA card here this week. Now, not, not unfortunate that I used it, but unfortunate that I had to use it. Uh, but we had a little issue uh, pop up here this week. And 
very thankful to have that AAA card in my pocket so that we could get all the business kind of taken care of there. That was a really good thing. But that's not the only thing I want you to think of when it comes to AAA. I want you to think about getting your home insurance through AAA there as well. You can qualify for their disappearing deductible. Now, how good does that sound? In a day and age which it seems like new charges are appearing everywhere, how about, a, how about a deductible that disappears? That means they can reduce your deductible by $50 for every policy year that you go claim free, up to $500. That's just one of the many options offered by AAA. So go to AAA.com slash home insurance so you can see them all. You can also give them a call 833-718-275. That's 833-718-275. Find a branch near you or check out AAA.com slash home insurance for more details. Now, let me also remind you that coverage is subject to all policy terms, conditions, exclusions, and limitations. Discounts and savings opportunities subject to eligibility requirements. Subject to underwriting requirements, insurance underwritten by member select insurance company and non-affiliated insurance companies. Copyright 2022, the Auto Club Group, all rights reserved. All right, Connor, to finish up here on Janelle Aguero for a moment. This, as I mentioned before, feels like a very of the moment recruiting topic because you get the one school i think george has been perceived to be the leader you got the other school miami which has kind of come around the bend very quickly and a lot of other recruits and it seems like they're working hard to make this close with aguero here down the, down the stretch but a fact that you pointed out a moment ago as a georgia fan someone who's admitted partisan in this discussion it gives me a little hope the fact that aguero is leaving img to go back to his home state of massachusetts for his senior year to me, that speaks to a guy that likes family, wants to be close to the family for the senior year. Georgia, obviously, is the kind of program that sells family feel. I think that Miami's selling something a little different. I think they're selling South Beach and excitement and glitz and glamour and just cold hard cash in some respects, uh, which is obviously working for them, and it's worked for them for a number of decades. But Georgia's selling something a little more... I don't know, uh, wholesome than that, I guess. At least that's my perception of this. And if Aguero's going back home for his senior year of high school, I think Jeff Sintel's reported he brought a lot of family with him for the Georgia official visit. If this is a family dude, Georgia's a family program, and ultimately that may win out over, you know, whatever John Ruiz is offering from an NIL standpoint. That's my kind of conspiracy theory on why I think that Georgia – is probably still in a pretty good place with Janelle Aguero. Are you buying that as kind of a read between the lines scenario for the Aguero recruitment? Is that what you're telling yourself as the chatter around Aguero in, in Miami has gotten louder and louder the past week or so? That is what I'm comforting myself with in relationship to what is, as you said, admittedly kind of a growing conversation around him. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, some of these other recruitments that you've seen Miami go out and win, uh, they, you know, Jaden Rashada was against a Florida, uh, you know, uh, Francis Mayuga, the five-star offensive tackle they landed, you know, Tennessee was thought to be a team really in that. They've yet to go up against a true staff. I, I guess you could count Raul Aguirre, who committed to them earlier this week over Alabama, but yeah. he, he and Aguirre are not the same level of prospect in my mind. And Georgia's coming off a national championship where they put 15 players in the NFL draft, one of which being a five-star safety in Lewis Seen, who similarly spent a lot of time in Massachusetts. And so I, I, I think, you know, Georgia still, I think, does feel very good about where things stand with Aguero. But in the sort of modern age of recruiting, and really it extends to college football as a whole, uh, the, the movie scene that sums up the state of college football, you can do it for recruiting, you do it for conference alignment right now, whatever you want to do. It's a scene in the big short where uh, Ryan Gosling's character is going in to pitch the Steve Carell-led hedge fund of, you know, hey, I have this great deal on mortgage-backed security swaps that you're going to want to get involved with. And he's, you know, playing up the pitch, and he's like, 
you smell that? What, what do you smell? And he's got his assistant there, Chris, who mm. like super earnestly just says, opportunity. Right. And Ryan Gosling, just with the utmost disgust, no, money. Right. You smell money. And, and so I, I do think that this is a, this is a commitment that's going to be interesting. And yeah, again, you don't want to extrapolate it to the entire realm of college football, but given this is Georgia, a team that just had a safety drafted in the first round after a very successful three-year career at the University of Georgia and has shown ability to develop and play really talented safeties. J.R. Reed was a Thorpe finalist. Uh, if Richard LeCount doesn't get hurt, I believe he is a Thorpe Award finalist. They've done a really great job of developing safeties, and if this is a recruitment, especially now that Georgia has a need at safety, a legitimate need in my opinion, if this is a recruitment that they can't win where they've been the front runner for a long, mm-hmm. long time – you know, I think that fully establishes we are in a new age of yep. college recruiting where certain schools, Miami maybe being the chief among them, are just saying, hey, we don't care, you know, about prestige or doing this the quote unquote right way. At the end of the day, the thing that matters the most is getting players to your campus, and we're willing to do whatever it takes to do that and become the football program that we need to be. Now, I do think the one thing to watch with Miami is if these results don't come right away, is this something that is a replicable formula over a year-over-year process? But because Miami has not played a game yet, uh, it's sort of a Schrodinger's cat thing of, well, the, the, the shine hasn't come off the new car yet. And, and so, you know, because I think you're seeing something similar with Texas A&M, specifically in this recruiting cycle. Mm. You know, they only have five commitments right now, yeah. one of the lower-ranked Power 5 teams out there, and I think it's because a lot of people, Aggie boosters, as deep-pocketed as they are, they want to see how things translate to the field because if they're not getting their money investment because they went out and got those players, and they, you know the whole Jimbo Fisher saying, we didn't do anything illegal. No, you didn't. You played within the rules, and you got players to come and commit to your campus, maybe using NIL, but I can't fault them for that. Much like I'm not going to fault Miami for doing the same thing. You have to use whatever advantage you have and do, and do the most of it. And so I think with this Aguero commitment, because of the teams that are matched up against each other, you know, Georgia is sort of the old money vernacular and Miami is the new money, it's going to be very interesting to sort of see how this Aguero recruitment plays out and what college football in and of itself says about it. Well, and the comparison I made, because you brought this up on Tuesday, and that was a really good point related to you know, A&M, the fact they're not quite seeming to have the same level of recruiting momentum for the 2023 class they did for the 2022 class. And kind of I don't know if you're old enough to, to remember like when Brady Anderson with the Baltimore Orioles stepped up and had like a 50 home run season kind of out of nowhere. And like those those who were naive about steroids at the time were like, wait, this is a little bit weird. What's this guy doing? You know, uh, you know, this is kind of out of nowhere. Like, I sort of feel like in recruiting as NIL becomes sort of the, 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 the gas for recruiting, sort of the chemically aided, you know, thing that benefits your recruiting efforts, that we may also from time to time see some Brady Anderson style seasons where, uh, hey, out of nowhere, this team was like top three. And then the very next year, they had a very hard time maintaining that momentum because they just couldn't find the money to, to do what they had done the previous year. I'm not willing to say that A&M is going to be that as of yet because I think there's more time left to come but i do think we're going to see some of that where if you're recruiting simply on the basis of money then good luck finding that same amount of money the following year because it's just not easy to to shear the same sheep over and over again like that well and maybe to give a more current example think back to like Ole Miss in 2013 2014 yeah, that's right. when Hugh Freeze was there and obviously they've had NCA investigations into there and there's been at least some some knowledge of wrongdoing but you know they get Robert Kimdichie, the number one player in the country they get Laramie Tunsil uh, in 2014 they get Laquan Treadwell they're yep. getting five-star players best yep. players in their position in the country and that model wasn't sustainable for Ole Miss for a number of reasons. You know, they stopped. You know, the biggest thing is they just sort of stopped winning at the level that they did. That's right. And Ole Miss was like, we can't stomach the negativity that Hugh Freeze was bringing in. And, you know, 
Miami, there's talent there, and they could very easily win the ACC Coastal this year. But let's say they go eight and four, a, a very real scenario, especially because you know Mario Cristobal. There's talent at Oregon, and they never really, I think, maximize their opportunity there. You know, Justin Herbert's one of the best young quarterbacks in the country, and it seems like Mario Cristobal really had him in handcuffs there. So I, I'm going to be really interested to see how the on-field product, which is where I think the bigger concerns exist for Mario Cristobal, how that ultimately translates to the field. Because let's say like Texas A&M goes 8-4 and four this year. I can tell you one thing. They're probably not going to spend the kind of money you need to get the number one ranked recruiting class because they're going to be starting to build the war chest to like, hey, maybe we need to like move on from Jimbo Fisher because he might not be the guy that delivers Texas A&M their first national championship since the Prohibition era. Yeah. And so I, I think that's something that's going to be interesting to watch. And because you know, Tennessee hasn't played a game yet this year under Josh Heupel. Uh, Miami hasn't played a game yet under Cristobal. And Texas A&M hasn't played a game under Fisher. There's, you know, there's still some of the shine there. Lose that first game. Let's say Miami loses to Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, they're not talking about you know the NIL and all these players they're getting. They're talking about what is going on with Mario Cristobal. No, I think that's exactly right. Really good stuff. Connor, we'll look forward to reading a lot from you at dognation.com. Hopefully getting a chance to maybe chat with you on video tomorrow if we end up getting some good news as Georgia fans as it relates to uh, Troy Bowles and obviously a lot more fun here. SEC Media Days next week. You're all over that there as well. So, Connor, we'll get a lot of you coming up in the days to come, and we certainly look forward to that. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, good stuff from Connor Riley there on a very interesting landscape. Obviously, George right there in the middle of it when it comes to these recruiting headlines, including tomorrow with four-star linebacker Troy Bowles getting ready to make his decision. We'll talk more about that in the uh, time to come. For now, though, let's get ready to go cruiser on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And, boy, what a great chance it is to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. Man, so much fun, so many great things going on. Whether you want one of those three or four night sailings that go, uh, you know, to me, the easiest port to get to is probably right there, Port Canaveral, just past Orlando. You can drive there from where I live here in the Atlanta area. Or maybe you say, BA, I want one of the big ships. I want an Oasis class ship. I want seven night sailing. I think that's a great experience there as well. And listen, a lot of those involve Perfect Day Coco Cave. It's that private island right there in the Bahamas that you've heard me talk about so much. Really an amazing experience. You've got the thrill side. you get got the chill side. you get got the tallest water slide in North America. You've got the freshwater pool, largest in the Bahamas. And it's one of those things that I think is probably sort of a starting point for a lot of folks when they're choosing their Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, which of these ships go to Perfect Day Coco Cay. Now, you enjoy the pool deck and you enjoy all of the onboard entertainment and amenities and all the way to feel fun. I mean, that's one of the things for me is like, I just feel so young when I'm on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship because I'm doing the flow rider, the, the wave you know, runner, you know, in some cases you've got like the, the bumper cars on board, you get the water slides and you're sort of living that sort of fun life and getting the most out of a vacation experience. And that's what I would encourage you to do. Our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you with that. You can find them online, their website, tcava.com. That's tcava.com. You can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. We would recommend you use a great travel agent to get your Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation booked. We think that's what the Cruise and Vacation Authority can do for you. So I want to revisit a topic we discussed when I was on vacation a few weeks ago. We did some pre-recorded shows. One of the things I talked about was is that Kirby Smart has been really good at being really hard on UGA rivals. And if you're a Georgia fan, you love this. The way in which, and we can probably uh, uh, bring that down now, but the way in which 
you know, whether it be Dan Mullen at Florida, Gus Malzahn at Auburn, Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech, the Kirby Smart has just really kind of beaten up on rivals to the point where they found out, they found it very difficult to even hold on to their job. Lots of rival coaches uh, to UGA have been fired here during the Kirby Smart era. And we said, hey, sights set on 2022. Another example of that guy like Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, uh, a guy like uh, Brian Harson there at Auburn. And it just so happens a few weeks after we had said that, you know, here on the show that when Dennis Dodd, and he does this every year, he ranks his coaches in the hot seat for the upcoming season. A couple of the coaches in the hottest seat of all, Brian Harson there at Auburn, Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech, exactly like we predicted a few weeks ago. And in the case of Harson, you kind of know the story there. We talk about that quite a bit. But isn't it funny? I mean, like Georgia Tech is Georgia's in-state rival. Now, some of this is kind of weird in the fact that the college era, you know, these two teams didn't play in 2020. But, I mean, has there ever been a time in which Georgia fans cared less about who the Georgia Tech coach was? You know, it's just, it's just amazing. And, you know, Jeff Collins was a guy that, you know, prior to this, I mean, he had some credentials, right? You had some reason to believe he was going to come in and change some of the way in which Tech recruited and become more of a, of a factor in terms of bringing in the kinds of players that at least got Georgia to notice Georgia Tech, if not, you know, outright compete with them. But boy, it has not happened. And on the list of rival coaches that Kirby's kind of gotten fired, I guess by the end of this year, you could at least add one of those names from the list of Collins and Harson. And if things go really wrong, you could potentially add them both. Now, speaking of Auburn, obviously Brian Harson is fighting to save his job here this year, but Auburn's also kind of fighting for a degree of relevance in a landscape that's getting more and more challenging by the day they're already kind of tucked right in between their in-state rival alabama and their longest tenured rival georgia and that's not a very good place to be right now and then in to- on top of all of that you're trying to navigate the new nil landscape i saw where alan green uh the auburn athletic director put out an official statement this wasn't from, from like an interview this was like a from the desk of type thing coming from green shared by the tigers on social media uh, the quote here is, for Auburn to remain competitive on the fields and the courts, we need to compete and win in the NIL arena, essentially giving a charge to Auburn boosters to kind of get involved when it comes to NIL. And I do get this. This is real. And every program's going to have their response to it. We saw Kentucky sort of start to like um, try to take a couple more steps of getting involved in NIL. We talked about that last week. And I get Green you know, saying what he's saying here. But let me tell you where this kind of veers out of bounds for me. And I think you see Lane Kiffin do this a lot. Like every one of these stories where so-and-so gets paid millions of dollars, Lane Kiffin retweets every one of them. Every one of them he retweets. Now, most of us, I think, kind of believe that these like high seven-figure sums that get thrown around, we think those are exaggerations. We think the actual money is a fraction of that. But the big number looks good in the headline. Everybody's got a motivation to sort of tell that tale. And these stories kind of grow because of that. But a guy like Kiffin's always retweeting this. He's always talking about how crazy NIL is, always out there. And he'll do this next week at SEC Media Days. He's always saying, oh, you can't recruit at all if you don't have NIL. Well, it just so happens that Lane Kiffin doesn't have a history of being a very good recruiter. And to me, there is a vantage point from which you can kind of view the things that Lane Kiffin says where it's almost like he's leaning into what he feels like is a built-in excuse. You know, this year, Mississippi is populating its roster with transfer players. Now, some of that's because they were able to get some very good ones. Guys like Zach Evans and guys like Jackson Dart have a chance to be pretty interesting players, potentially in the SEC. 
but it's also a necessity for a program like Ole Miss because they just don't recruit high school guys very well. Lane Kiffin's never been a great recruiter. Like a lot of sharp offensive minds, you almost get the impression he'd rather draw up plays in the dirt than spend a lot of time calling on high school kids and leaning into ah nil is everywhere it's the only factor that matters it just sort of feels like excuse making to me when lane kiffin says it and he says stuff like that all the time the same thing here for alan green you're not a good athletic director if you're not talking about the reality of nil and how it's going to impact your program in particular but here's what i don't want to hear from an auburn fan Now i'm not an auburn fan so frankly i don't really care that much about the tigers but if i was to put myself in the position of an auburn fan here's what i don't want to hear when Auburn struggles on the football field this year or, you know, Bruce Pearl's basketball team or whatever else, if there's some struggles that come. I don't want to hear the reason why we're not winning is because you're not spending enough on NIL. Like, don't blame me for what you're doing. Like, ultimately, the the job of creating a winner in college athletics still rests with the coaches on the on the field, the athletic directors and the administrators within the uh, the athletic facility. Like, the chief responsibility for success still rests with you. And yes, NIL is a part of that, and motivating folks to get involved in NIL is obviously part of the job of an athletic director now, and channeling that towards the appropriate collective and things like that. That that obviously matters, but. When a guy like Alan Green says what he says officially, you know, dropping it from the you know social accounts from Auburn, you know, there's a part of this to me that sort of echoes the kind of excuse making that we we hear from guys like Lane Kiffin. So it's a fine line to walk, and it's not an easy needle to thread. But you have to acknowledge the reality of NIL. But when things don't go well in Auburn for a while, at least when it comes to football, things haven't going been going very well. I don't want to see fans and boosters being blamed for why that's not the case. You know, the job for making a team good still belongs to the coaches and the athletic directors who hire them. As far as what else is going on in the SEC here for a moment, let me bounce to a couple of other stories here uh, very quick. So we talked the other day about blue chip ratio. It's one of my favorite stories, and it's been that way for a long time. I got named Bud Elliott from 24-7 Sports. He writes it every single year. And the way in which the blue chip ratio works, you heard me explain this, and you've heard me explain it before, and by now you may be even acquainted with it yourself, that over the course of the previous four years, teams that sign more former four- and five-star recruits than lesser recruits are the true teams that have the actual true chance of winning a national championship. That if your sort of blue chip number, the percentage of former four- and five-star recruits brought in over the previous four years, that number's below 50% you're not going to win a national championship. You're not an actual legitimate national championship contender. And I think that data is well established by now. Now, when we talked about this in the show the other day, we kind of looked at where Georgia is and that category of teams who are above 75%. You know, Georgia at like 77%, just below in Ohio State and Alabama. Alabama at like a staggering 89% on, on this. And when we looked the other day, we looked at those teams that are at the very high end of that list. But if you look at the rest of the blue chip ratio list, you do see a lot of SEC teams. And it sort of leads me to a couple of, I guess, takeaways from this. Like you see Texas A&M at 70%, LSU's at 66%, Florida's at 66%, or I should say it's 60%, 6-0, 60%, and Auburn above the 50% threshold of 54%. Now, the two takeaways I have from this is, this kind of reminds me a little bit of when Georgia used to be on this list when it was first started being published by Bud Elliott. And, you know, Georgia would be at like, say, 55% or approaching 60% or something like that. 
And sometimes I would look around and be like, and I actually one time even said this to Bud Elliott when he was on our show years ago. It's like, okay, Georgia's at 59%, but where are these guys? Like, where are the former five-star recruits? Because when you looked at offensive line, you didn't often see them there. Sometimes when you looked at quarterback, you didn't see him there. Uh, you know, sometimes when you looked at certain position groups, you had a hard time saying, okay, well, more than half this roster are former elite recruits. But when I look at actually who's on the two deep, sometimes I'd love to wonder, where are these former four and five star guys? And if you're an Auburn fan or a Florida fan, I think to a degree, you probably kind of feel that same way. Like Florida's going to lean pretty heavily on a Louisiana Lafayette transfer at running back this year. And, you know, Auburn's got, you know, all kinds of you know, roster holes seemingly. So I don't know that the blue chip number necessarily, you know, gives all the fan bases comfort who find themselves there. Because I think when you sort of speak to what you're actually seeing on the field, sometimes the actual players on the field kind of belie what the recruiting rankings suggest you're supposed to have in some respects. But in addition to that, I also kind of conclude this, which is that – all of these teams, A&M, LSU, Florida, and Auburn, all of these teams, at least to a degree, have a little bit of mystery at quarterback. Now, Florida's the one team that essentially has a named starter being Anthony Richardson, and there's a chance that Richardson's actually pretty good. But the point here is, like, if Auburn were to figure out a quarterback between a Zach Calzada or a TJ Finley or even, I guess, Robbie Ashford having a chance maybe slightly there, like – it's not impossible to say they could be better than expectations if they add quarterback to a roster that has 54% former four and five star recruits. If Anthony Richardson is as good as some of these Florida fans hope they are, then yeah, for Florida who plays very swingish winnable games against, you know, Kentucky early, Utah early, LSU early, there's a chance that Florida is somewhat of a surprise team if you pair um a good season from AR to go along with what you got here with the rest of this roster we told you before i mean they do have some talent left on defense guys like brenton cox and javon dexter they got some talent there that if the quarterback position really is figured out then maybe florida is slightly better than expected same thing for lsu i don't particularly like what they have at quarterback i think there's a reason Jaden daniels is transferring i think you know just after getting off to a nice start with his college career at arizona state he sort of turned into kind of an averagest player I think Miles Brennan's had a million chances to win the LSU starting job, even apart from injuries, never done it. So I don't know that LSU has a quarterback, but if it does, to go along with the roster where two out of every three players on the team is a former four or five star recruit, that's a chance to be better than expected. And that's certainly the case for Texas AM, who really is, you know, very talented almost everywhere, but the offensive positions that matter. You know, Zach Calzada last year played great against Alabama, but never really played well against anybody else. And they haven't had great high-level quarterback play at any point in time during the Jimbo era. So if a Max Johnson transferring in or a Haynes King finally being healthy, if one of those two guys is a quarterback, then that does sort of speak to A&M's chances of being more than just second-best team in the SEC West, kind of far removed from the conversation with Alabama. So it's at least worth considering that. Uh, also, uh, very quickly, I remind you, SEC media days do begin on Monday, and Dog Nation will be all over. That will be in Atlanta. Uh, you know, I am going to do the show most days, probably from our studio, just because it's just way easier to do that way. Is there a chance we do at least one show from uh, the College Football Hall of Fame, or at least right outside there? Probably will be Connor, Mike. They're going to be running around the entire time. So we're going to have wall-to-wall coverage, but I'm going to try to keep our show as normal as possible just because it runs so much more smoothly that way. So what I'll probably be doing is in studio for the show, popping over to the CFB, HOF after that, and obviously – you know, all kinds of surprises throughout the week, popping on video, things like that. So we're going to have a lot of cool stuff 
uh, but that does get going on Monday, and then the Georgia Bulldogs Day shows up there on Wednesday. So a lot going on with that. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. All right, now here on our program today, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. I want to tell you about something really cool. We're starting today for the very first time, and this is going to be kind of like in, in future weeks. This kind of kind of be a fun way to close out the week. We're going to have some kind of fun com- content, hopefully kind of funny, hopefully sort of lighthearted. Just always kind of nice to close out the week on kind of a happy note. Here we do that with our golden shoes every day, and this particular finish to the week, we're going to do that here on Fridays. We're going to call it the big finish presented by the Finish Long Drink. Now, here's what else this is going to include. So many of you are always so nice to share with me the fact that you're enjoying the Finish Long Drink. And actually, one of my favorite success stories for our show over the course of the last year is how many folks we've introduced to the Finish Long Drink. It's just gone really, really well. And so many of you have stood up and said, hey, BA, you told me about it. I tried it. I've enjoyed it. And I just love the interactions that a lot of us have had with one of our great sponsors, the Finish Long Drink. So when we do the big finish here each week on Friday presented by the Finish Long Drink, I'm also going to invite you to kind of share with me your own enjoyment of the Finish Long Drink, and we'll highlight you, whatever you're doing, you know, uh, grilling out, playing golf, at the pool, at the beach, whatever else, you, your Finish Long Drink, having a good time, we will highlight that here when we do. In fact, let me show you a few of these right now as kind of an example of what we're looking for here when it comes to the Finish Long Drink and the Big Finish. Folks who are in the past have kind of shared with me some great love of the Finish Long Drink, and I'm happy to see that. So let me shout out a couple folks here, including Jesse Smith, who at the kickoff of last season, how about this refrigerator full of Finish Long Drink? Got some Long Drink Strong, you got some Long Drink uh, Traditional with the uh, grapefruit flavor, the Long Drink Cranberry. He says, stocked up and ready for the uh, Georgia Clemson game, and guess what? Georgia went on to win that game. That's the power of the Finish Long Drink right there. Uh, Jesse Smith sharing that and having a really good time there on that. Uh, the Bulldog Outsider, not to be outdone, said he found some finished long drink in the Mojave Desert there in California. So folks finding the uh, finished long drink all over the place and connecting with that, having a really good time. Appreciate that. Uh, Orin Chile told me uh, also back in September that that finished long drink still undefeated. That's how much he's enjoying that and having a good time doing so. Orin, I'm certainly happy to hear that. And Gene Horan Jr. Uh, back in October said one of these days that he was going to enjoy a finished long drink with me, that he really enjoys the podcast. First of all, Gene, that's an incredibly nice thing for you to say. I really appreciate that. And uh, one of these days, maybe we can toast a finished long drink together. I certainly appreciate you enjoying that. And of course, sharing with folks about the finished long drink there as well. So that's kind of what we're going to do here. We'll have some content. We'll have some fun. We'll have a big finish to the week each and every week courtesy of our friends at the finish long drink so my invitation to you is hit me up on twitter at dog nation daily i'll invite you to be a part of it when we do it again next week and of course as we always do here in style with some golden shoes here to close out on a friday we've got a few of these so we'll kind of bounce through them uh right here let me put the first one up on the screen and give credit to where it's due how about everybody seth rhodes this is so funny so there was the thing that like the galaxies that got shared on social media here this week i think what neil degrasse tyson i guess had this it's probably more than i can uh completely understand but what seth writes is that andy uh hooper one of his friends at ray fingers on twitter found proof of intelligent life in the james webb telescope picture and so you zoom in here on this and you see kirby smart laughing about 33 to 18 that's really good from seth rhodes uh well done and good job there by andy hooper who i guess is the architect of the uh, edit there so well done by uh, seth rhodes there on that 
How about uh, Brian Whitehead, who shared this with me from our buddy Wise Dog? He says it's a new sideline bench for Alabama's injured wide receivers. It's an Alabama couch. That's really funny from both Wise Dog, and I appreciate Brian Whitehead sharing that with me. We have another one, I think, too. Yeah, Bill Sanders says, uh, here are things that adults shouldn't believe in anymore. Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny. Of course, kids obviously believe in those things. But when you get to be an adult, you sort of save that for the kids. And also uh, the Florida Gators there as well. Yeah, uh, nobody believed in the Gators anymore. Although unlike uh, the other three, the Gators and success, that truly isn't real. Uh, and uh, Gatorade rubbed it about 4,936 days. from uh, That's how long it's been since Florida's won a national championship. And that's not good news. And here's what's worse news. They got another beatdown coming at the hands of the Georgia Bulldogs 106 days from right now. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. Hope all of you have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday as SEC Media Days gets going. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We will look forward to talking to you then. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. So Monday is SEC Media Days. Now, at least for the beginning of the week on Monday, we're going to do the show in the studio as per usual. But I thought that Barrett Salee at CBSSports.com had a kind of interesting piece sort of previewing the top storylines for next week. One of the things that he mentions is, is whether Georgia can sustain success. And listen, I'd love nothing more than to have Georgia be the hot topic next week if for no other reason, not just because I like UGA, but because I just like the idea of valuing things that actually happen on the field. But unfortunately, you know, I don't know that's where college football is right now. It almost seems like more like the offseason buzz sometimes, you know, kind of gets people more excited than, you know, just Georgia. It's a very weird place to be. And we had Tony Barnhart on the show on Wednesday, and he said, Kirby Smart just sort of loves the idea that being the reigning national champion kind of flying under the radar because people are obsessed with whatever the topic of the moment is NIL expansion whatever else but I think it will be interesting to see even though Georgia is responsible for the national championship trophy that will probably be on display next week there in Atlanta at SEC media days how much you know they'll be you know actually the number one topic of discussion he also mentions Bryce Young, what he does for an encore. It has been weird being a returning Heisman Trophy winner in college football, and it has been somewhat weird being kind of the top favorite to win the Heisman Trophy in any given year. Like history suggests that somehow, some way, and we can't necessarily predict why this would happen because if we could, we'd you know see it baked into the odds already. But somehow, some way, it has not always been great to be a returning Heisman Trophy winner or sort of the odds-on favorite to win it for the upcoming year but obviously on the field when he's played Bryce Young's been dazzling and look we know you know even as Georgia fans you can certainly acknowledge that and you understand why Young will be uh, a big topic next week and obviously when he appears he'll be kind of at the center of certainly everything that goes on on his particular day there with the Crimson Tide for the SEC media days but in terms of a guarantee of replicating success you know that that hasn't always worked out that way in college football not necessarily uh, the other thing that Barrett kind of points out, a lot of the new faces here at SEC Media Days. I mean, the fact that Brian Kelly, a guy who's been such a prominent, well-known college football coach for such a long time and really the opposite of the SEC in many ways now that he's in the SEC, and yet that's only one of what, like say the fourth or fifth biggest story next week, I think gives you an idea of the overall depth of the potential drama next week there Um uh, in Atlanta, I think it's that good. Uh, he mentions Harson being on the hot seat, and we talked about that in today's show. That's obviously, I think, one of the more pointed moments is when Brian Harson takes those questions about staff members not being retained, about 
really a lot of things. I mean, it's just been a tough year for Brian Harson, and how well he handles all of that should be pretty interesting. So it should be great. Uh, you know, the idea of the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban thing, I'd love for that to be intense next week. I think for the most part, that's kind of died down. I think Nick Saban's kind of brought that to an end. But uh, but it's part of the storylines for next week. It should be really good. So wanted to preview that for you a little bit here. I'll also remind you that as I'm talking to you on this Friday, tomorrow being Saturday, if Georgia gets some good news as it relates to Troy Bowles, we can hopefully pop on video and do a little reaction for you on that. So stay close in the event that happens, and maybe we can talk about some good news for Georgia recruiting. Nonetheless, hope you have a great weekend. Thanks to R.S. Andrews for making our cool down possible. Check out R.S. Andrews online. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric. Air conditioning, obviously the thing to know right now. And if you're worried that you're not going to stay cool this entire summer, it's going to get a little hot in your house and maybe that AC is not quite working the way it's supposed to, go ahead and get it tuned back up to Factory Fresh Specs with our friends at R.S. Andrews. They will take good care of you on that. rsandrews.com for more. And we will see you back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Look forward to talking to you then.